morning. I'm thankful that you're here today. We, um, you know, I love seeing the mission and just all the transformation that's taking place. And, and I want us to remember that we're called to be a church that helps people. And it's amazing to watch how the Lord uses the ministries out of the mission from helping um, people get cars. We've given cars away. We, we have a, a car care clinic for for single moms and senior adults and people that just need help with their car. We, have, uh, we help people with bills, and we uh, are feeding people out of the, the, the mission. And, and, I, and I'm loving how the Lord has allowed us to, to take that to, the new, to a new level, to the next level. And, and as, but as we do this, I want us to remember that, that the world, our city, and people around us, their greatest need is not just help with bills. It's not just help with food. You know, Jesus was faithful to, to use those things to, to earn the right to speak and, and, and to earn the right to share, but, but he was always faithful to tell them the truth. And I want us to remember that as we build the mission and, and, and as we help people at points of need in their lives, that, that we are uh, called to share with them about the one who will give them water where they'll never thirst again. How, how though, though cars will wear out, we will, uh, we will share the good news with people so that they'll understand their need of a Savior. And, and that's why we're doing these things. Now, we've been in the book of Jonah. We started last week, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for this book. If you have your Bibles, turn to, to the book of Jonah in the Old Testament. And, and Jonah was this prophet of God, and he was, he, he was called by God to speak God's word to God's people and to the world. And what's interesting about, about Jonah, he, he was this, this, he was serving the Lord, and he got this message from God, I want you to go to the Ninevites. I want you to go tell them about, about my word. I've got a word for them. I want, I'm calling them to change and to repent. And here is the prophet of God, the one that's serving the Lord, that's, that's called to go spread the news of, of God to the world. And what does he say? He says, no, I don't want to go. And now I want to give you a picture of what Jonah did. I want you to see this picture up, up on the screen. This is, is kind of a snapshot of where Jonah went. Okay, see, he, was, he boarded a ship in Joppa, and you see that, and, he, and he's like, man, Nineveh, you see where Nineveh is, right? And, and Jonah gets on a ship in Joppa, and he's headed to Tarshish. Now, God told him to go to Nineveh. And Jonah said, no, I'm going to Tarshish. There's a, there's a Hebrew phrase that's, that's really popular, it's called, it, and it says this. This is called getting the heck out of Dodge, right? That's a Hebrew phrase I found. Not really. But, um, but this is, I'm out of here. I mean, you cannot go further than this. This is like going from uh, God's told me to go to New York City, and I'm going, no, I'm going to L.A. Jonah is not going and we see what he did here, and it's amazing. It's interesting to me that there's so many interesting things about this. The, the Ninevites were not, were not a part of God's, God's people, if you will. But, but, but God told Jonah to go because God wanted, to, wanted them to repent. God was calling them to repent. 
And it's interesting because all through history, God has had a heart for the world. God's had a heart for people that don't know him. And, and, and it's interesting to me that, that Jonah, from the very beginning, you see God's people forsaking and rebelling against this call to reach people that don't know the Lord. And this is why, for us as a church, we're going to help people in practical ways. We're going to do good things for people. We're going we're to reach out to people in need. But, but we've got to remember our goal is to communicate the most important message, which is forgiveness and salvation and that Christ came. And, and we saw last week as we looked at Jonah chapter 1 that, that God is serious about this evangelistic call. He's, he's serious about, about people who are not like us coming to know Christ. He's serious about people, now think about this, that we don't like coming to Jesus. He, he's serious about people that, that make us uncomfortable coming to Jesus. He is serious about, like in, in our nation, we identify people as enemies, and it's my prayer that as God's people, we don't see people of other nations, other races as enemies, as less important than us. It's natural as human beings to look at somebody that is different than us or maybe don't come from where we come from and have this attitude, you are not as important as we are. We've seen this unfold clearly in our nation this week. Now, what, what is important for us as believers, as followers of Jesus, God, you call us to see people differently. You call us to have a burden for someone that we don't like. Now, think about that. Someone in your office that bugs you to see them like Jesus sees them. There's someone in, that lives around you that makes you uncomfortable someone that you work with, someone that you, in your family, that you don't agree with. Now, now this is our call as believers. This was Jonah's call. And, and so here's been our challenge, our 2018 challenge for our church. And, and I pray that we all accept this challenge. And the challenge is this, that, that we will, that this year, that you as believers, as a follower of Christ, will share the gospel with as many people as your age. Now think about this. The, 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 let me explain that if I want to be clear on that, on that terminology. I'm 46 years old. And so it's a goal for me to, uh, uh, to share the gospel one-on-one -on -one so preaching doesn't count. I tweeted this this week. I don't, I don't know if you are on Twitter. I'm on Twitter, and, and I tweeted this week, and a friend of mine from Oklahoma City goes, that's not fair. You do that every Sunday. That doesn't count for me. Okay, I'm going to share the gospel with as many people as my age, like one-on-one, -on -one. at least 46 people. Now, now I want to I ask you to accept that challenge. You might think, well, oh, golly, Chris, I don't know if I'm ready to do that. Well, it's my prayer that as we study the book of Jonah, that God equips us in this pursuit. And so I pray that you're with us every week because I'm not just going to tell you to go do it. We're going to talk about how. And Jonah is such a great book in telling us how we do this. And, and I pray that we accept this challenge. But, but as we determined last week, 
God is serious about this evangelistic call. Now we're going to look at the next part of Jonah's journey. Jonah chapter 2, would you stand with me and let's read. Jonah, we're actually going to look at verse 17 of chapter 1, and then we're going to go through chapter 2 this morning. Verse 17 of chapter 1, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon dry land. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now what a cool story. What a cool moment. And, and as, as Jonah gets to the end of his rope, and, and he's at the end of, uh, you know, he's hit rock bottom, right? And, and he, and God rescued him. And the fish vomited him out on, the, on dry land. Now, uh, you know, we said last week, and if you, I'm not going to re- repeat everything from last week, but, but, but this story is not an intellectual leap. I believe this took place because, you know, Jesus referred to Jonah. He referred to this moment, and, and he compared the cross to Jonah and, 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 the re- and the death and resurrection to Jonah and the whale. Jesus believed this story. So since Jesus believed it, I, I believe it. And it's really not an intellectual leap for us because if Jesus can rise from the dead, then keeping Jonah alive in the belly of this fish is not a problem, really isn't. And, and, and so the, I love what C.S. Lewis mentioned. He said that we have swallowed the elephant of the resurrection. I mean, that is such a mag- magnificent claim that Jesus died on the cross and then he rose from the dead and conquered the grave. Then <clears throat> because of that, this this nugget, we're not going to choke on this little crumb of the miracle of Jonah and the whale. But what's amazing is, is when you think about the story of Jonah, automatically we think of the whale. But, but the reality is, that's really not what the story is about. The story of Jonah is not about Jonah and the whale. The whale's in here. But the story of Jonah is God rescuing people that are rebellious, 
You have Jonah, who's a prophet of God. He's rebellious. He is sent to a rebellious people, the Ninevites. And what you see through this amazing story is God restored them. God rescued them. Now, as we saw last week in in chapter 1, verse 4, it tells the story that Jonah gets on this ship in Joppa, and he starts heading to Tarshish. But God, God sent a storm. A storm came. On this, on, in, this, in this ship is, is in trouble, and the, and the sailors are in trouble, and everybody's scared for their lives, and where is Jonah? We looked at last week, chapter 1 says, Jonah's asleep under, underneath the, the, the cargo of the ship, and the, and the sea captain comes in and is like, what, what are you doing, man? Get up. Call on your God. They're throwing stuff overboard. I mean, that's a big deal to get to the point where you're throwing away uh, the, the cargo on your ship. That's how they get paid. And they're like, hey, man, we're getting rid of this. I don't care about getting paid. I want to live. And they say to Jonah, hey, man, get up. Pray to your God that comes out. Who, let's draw lots to see whose fault this storm is which is an interesting reality that, that they, they, they look at, at this and say, uh, God has brought this on us. They all saw God differently. They look at Jonah, who are you? He says, I am the servant of the one true God, the ruler of the seas and of the stars and the skies. And they were like, it, man, it's your fault. And they, they look at him and they said, what do we do? And he said, well, we're gonna, if you throw me over, the sea will be calm. And they were like, oh, man, I, I don't want to answer to your God. That, that's kind of their idea. I don't want your God to punish us. And, and so they, 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 they start trying to roll back, but they realize they can't fight this storm. So they said, okay, if you say this, we'll throw you over. And what do they do? These, these pagan sailors that, that didn't know God, they didn't know God like Jonah knew God, they, they go, they throw Jonah over, and what do they do? They immediately offer sacrifices to the one true God. Here's the prophet. Why didn't he repent right then? But he didn't. Jonah was like, I'd rather die than go to the Ninevites. You know, there are churches that would say, I'd rather die than let somebody into their, our church that's not like me. Man, may we never get to that point. But look at these prophets, or the, these sailors, pagan sailors. They, they throw Jonah overboard, and they immediately worship God. God, we're so sorry. You know what's You know what's interesting? C.S. Lewis wrote in God in the Dock, really good book. He, I didn't really understand what God in the Dock meant until I read the book. And he, he says, because I don't use the language of 1940s England, okay? Uh, so I didn't understand this process until I read it. But he says, ancient man had an understanding that, that they stand in judgment of God. That there is a creator in the world and that that creator is greater than me and I stand in his judgment. But modern man has switched things around. Modern man has said, God, I'm standing in judgment and I am going to put you in the dock, in the docket, and, and, and like a court 
docket. And God, I am going to stand in judgment as to whether or not what you are doing is right or wrong. Now, the reality is there is no man that stands in judgment of God Almighty. No man. But here's something I want us to to, to listen to and hear that, that we've got to learn from the example of ancient man here and recognize, God, you are just in the way you act. You are right in the things that you do. But what does modern man do? Hey, you know what? I don't like what God has said, so let's change it. Let's change what the Bible says. Let's update what scripture the scriptures that we've been given. No, modern man has switched things around, and it's important for us as, as modern people to recognize that ancient man got this right. We are the ones that sit in judgment of God. It's always been that way, and, and folks, it always will be. And so this is important, and I, I, I want to learn this lesson. But, but they, 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 put, they threw him into the sea, and, and then you see right here the fish that God appointed. It swallowed Jonah. And it's interesting to me that, that, that we see this storm going on because what's, what, the, the sailors, as soon as Jonah went in the fish, guess what happened to the storm? It calmed down, right? But Jonah, the prophet, his storm's still going, isn't it? Because he's in the belly of the fish. Okay, his storm's not over. And that's really interesting. Now, point number one today in your notes is this, that, that God is not opposed to sending a storm to get our attention. Now, I mentioned this last week. But I want you to remember that God's not opposed to sending a storm in our lives to, to get our attention. Now, we've got to remember John 16, 33, uh, uh, in Tulsa, among the, among the charismatic capital of the world, we see these ideas that, that if you follow Jesus, you will be healthy, wealthy, and prosperous. But, but many of those preachers forget John 16, 33. Jesus himself said, I have told you these things, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. So this world that we live in, and I'll tell you, there are times that we sit in our staff and, and, and we're processing how do we minister in the days that we live in, and we think, man, things have changed. Ministry is different. Uh, it's, it's, we're, we live in a world where we feel like we're losing. We don't lose. But the reality is we're in a battle in our world. There's trouble in the world. And I want us to understand about God, he is not opposed to sending storms to get our attention. Now, there are three kind of storms that come our way. First kind of storm is this, that there, there's those protecting storms. Sometimes God will send a storm to protect us. Like, like remember when Jesus fed the 5,000? And, uh, and, and at that point, when he helped with that physical need, people were like, oh my goodness, let's make him king right now. But what does Jesus do? He gets his disciples, says, let's get in the boat, fellas. It's not time. They jump in a boat. They get on the Sea of Galilee, and what happened? A storm came. Jesus led them right into the middle of the storm, right after they had this big miracle. Well, 
what was Jesus doing? He was protecting them because it wasn't the right time. So even though he led them into the middle of the storm, he was teaching them, look, guys, trust me. Trust me when I'm feeding the 5,000. Trust me when the storm's raging too. Trust me. There are times that God will, will bring a storm in your life, and what it will do, it will actually protect you. It's those times when you're like, you're praying for something. God, give me this, and God keeps saying, no, you don't need that. I'm not going to give you that. It's those times when you're, you're struggling financially, and you're like, Lord, if I just win the lottery, man, all my problems would go away. And God says, I love you too much to, to let that happen to you. So the answer is no on that. And then you're in the middle of praying through and working through your debt and working through your decisions. And, and, but it's in the middle of that storm that you learn, God, you're faithful. God, I can trust you. God, you're walking with me. There are times God uses protecting storms. There, there are also times God uses those perfecting storms. Those storms that perfect you, that make you more like him. It's like when Joseph, remember Joseph in the Old Testament, that, that it's such a great story as Joseph is sold into slavery by his brothers. And oh my goodness, what a terrible time. And, and, and he's betrayed by his brothers. He, see, he goes to Egypt, his brothers tell him, I mean, I'm a little brother, and so my big brother used to pick on me and give me wedgies and, and do that whole quit hitting yourself. Anybody have that happen? I hated that. I hated that. I thought, man, I'm going to get bigger, and little brothers get bigger, big brothers. Don't forget that. And uh, I'm bigger than my big brother now. He won't wrestle me anymore. But, but, but you know, Joseph was picked on, sold into slavery. And you know his story in Genesis is described it as such a cool story. You need to know that. And, and Joseph goes to Egypt. God blesses him. And that very act of his betrayal is what rescues his entire family. And see, all along the way, what God was doing through that storms, the multiple storms in Joseph's life, is he was perfecting him. And there are times that we go through storms where God is perfecting us. But you also see those storms that we go through and God is correcting us. There are correcting storms where, where we are in rebellion and we are, we are disobeying God. And, and what God does is he, he sends a storm and says, look, you got to understand, you reap what you sow, don't you? We all reap what we sow. And there are times that God will send a storm to correct us. And that's what's going on in Jonah's life. Jonah is being corrected. He is rebelling against the voice of God. He's running in the complete opposite direction. He knows exactly what God wants him to do. And Jonah says, I don't care. I'm disobeying. I'm ignoring your voice. And you know what? If we're honest... All of us have had a moment where we've known exactly what God wants us to do, and we've said no. And, and here's my prayer. Maybe you've walked into the room today, and you're like, Dad, gum it. How do you know that's where I am? I didn't. God does. God does. You know, I'm not that smart. If there have ever been a time that, that I've gotten up to preach, and you said, man, how did he know about that? Don't. Give me credit. That's God at work. I'm not that smart. 
But, but I want you to know God's at work in our lives. There are times that I'm reading, studying to preach, and I'm like, Dad, it, this hurts. This is correcting me. That's why I say all the time, I'm not a preacher that's standing and talking to you. We're sitting together. I'm with you here. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I, I hear you. But there's correcting storms. And, and what is God doing in Jonah's life? He's disciplining him. Now, do you know that Proverbs 3, 11, and 12, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. The Lord disciplines us. Now, there's a question I want to tackle really quickly. And, and you see this as the prophet of God disobeys the voice of God. So this brings up a question in my heart, in my mind. Uh, and, and it's maybe something you've thought about. And the question is this, did Jonah lose his salvation? I mean, do you lose your salvation when you willfully rebel? Do you know that, that in, in our city, in our community, that, that in Tulsa, the, a majority of the churches in this area teach that your salvation can be lost? And, and we don't believe that. I don't believe Jonah lost his salvation. I don't believe when we rebel and when we even willfully rebel that, that you lose your salvation. And, it's, and I think it's important, and I say that not to slam my brothers who, who look, at this, look at that doctrine differently. But, but the problem that I have with that is, is some of my, my friends that have, have been pastors and leaders that have held that belief that you can lose your salvation. I've said to them, well, when do you do it? When, does you, when do you lose it? If you're about to have a wreck and, and you say a cuss word right before you die in an accident, are you, are you out? I, what's the point? And I've never had anybody articulate a good response to that question. And the reason is, I don't believe you can lose your salvation. Why? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14 says this, When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. Now, when you are saved, the moment you are saved, what happens? The Holy Spirit indwells you. Now, I'm not talking about just, I just prayed some prayer. Or I just mentally in my head agree, oh, I guess Jesus is God. No, it's this relying on, this believing in, this trusting in. And, And when you put your faith and your trust in Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells you and he speaks to you and he never lets go of you. Three things about salvation, that the salvation didn't start with God. I mean, it didn't start with man. Salvation does not start with man. It starts with God. God is the one that communicated salvation to us. Man's efforts will not sustain our salvation that your effort will not sustain your salvation. We are in God's hands, not ours. I do not hold on to my salvation. God holds on to me. Aren't you grateful for that? You know, and and this is the point where Jonah is, and I want you to hear this, that, that working from our salvation is our most fulfilling position. And here's what I mean by this. What, what Jonah was, you know, a lot of people have this idea that, that i got to work for my salvation. No, we don't work for our salvation. We work from 
our salvation. And for us as believers, when the Holy Spirit indwells you, the most fulfilling place you will ever be is working from your salvation. And that's why rebelling against God's voice will never work out for you. It will never work out for me. I will continually stumble. I will continually struggle if I rebel against the voice of God. And as a believer, as a follower of Christ who is disciplined by the Holy Spirit, he will not allow me to be content. I have a good friend named Justin Beatles, and, uh, and he's a pastor in Stillwater. And if you go to OSU, I, ch- I want to encourage you to go to his church at Countryside in Stillwater. And Justin was a, uh, was, um, he was a member of First Baptist Church of Thomas, Oklahoma. He gets where he grew up in western Oklahoma, and that was my first church. I was 19 years old when I went there. And, and Justin, he was, uh, man, he was, a, he was one of those guys, his parents said, hey, we got a new youth minister and you ought to meet him. And he walked in the door at church and, and we were instant friends. It was like, dude, where you been all my life? I mean, we, we were just connected and we became friends. And, and at that point in Justin's life, he was at OSU rebelling against God partying, just knowing the Spirit of God is in his heart, but, but he was rebelling against God's voice. And, and God used our relationship in that summer, and, and, and God got a hold of his life. And he talks about that time that he would go, go to bed, and he would look up at his ceiling, and, and God was just convicting him, and just, he just wouldn't let go of him, and he was miserable. And that's where Jonah was. Jonah was miserable because he was rebelling against the voice of God. He was pushing God's God away. And this is why I pray we, we recognize that, that, that rebelling, working from our salvation is the most fulfilling spot we'll ever be in. Now, here's what I love about the story. The, the big story of Jonah is that God restored a godly man. God restored one of his prophets um, even though he made a big mistake. Now, point number two is this, and we got to hustle because I'm just, I'm preaching and I love it. But, but um, we also have another service coming. So, um, but I want, us to, I want you to hear point number two is that, is that God gives us second chances. Aren't you grateful? Amen. Oh, my goodness. Aren't you grateful that God gives us second chances? And I've known people that say, Chris, if, if, if my salvation is, is secure, that's going to lead me to be more rebellious. No, it doesn't. It, it leads you to be more grateful. It's just like a parent that, is, that, is, that gives good gifts to his children. Doesn't give them everything they want, but gives good gifts to his children. That causes those children to love their parents. And God has been good to us. God gives us second chances. And I love this. Look at verse 1. And I, and I, wanna, I want you to catch this. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So he goes into the water. Three days and three nights he's in the fish. And look at what the, the next word says. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord. Did you notice that? He's in there three days and three nights. And what is he doing? Laying there going, I'm going to die. Man, it's over. But then he keeps going, huh, I'm still here, Lord. It's, it's gonna, I'm going to die. I, I tried to die. I jumped in the stormy water. A fish swallowed me. It's over. But here I am, seaweed wrapped around my neck. God, I'm not dying. 
Three days he's laying there. Then what does he do? Turns to the Lord. Why is it that so it takes us so long to turn? Why is it that, that sometimes we have to hit the bottom before we look to the Lord? Can, can we hear that today? Let's not wait till we hit the bottom before we turn to the Lord. See, the whole time God was calling on Jonah, Jonah, come, turn, turn around. Don't get on that ship to Joppa. Go to Nineveh. Oh, you don't want to go to Tarshish? Oh, you got in the ship. Jonah, the storm's coming. The pagan sailors repented, but you're not repenting. Dang it, Jonah. Okay, fish. Um, look, storms were coming in Jonah's life. You know, here's the, here's, the, here's the lesson for all of us. Let's not wait till we hit the bottom before we turn to Jesus. Let's not wait. Let's trust his voice. Trust what he says. Let's do what he says. But I love it that God gives us Second chances, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord as God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me, Jonah. See, I love it how God works through flawed people. we got to realize that, that sometimes it takes time for us to get honest about our sin. Let's get honest today about our sin. Let's get honest about where we are. If you're in a point of rebellion today, let's get honest about where you are. You know, um, I love it that my, my, my big brother was my youth pastor. And he said this phrase all the time, Jonah was stuck in his sin. And my youth pastor would always say this about sin, sin will always take you further than you want to go. Do you know that will always happen? Jonah went further than he wanted to go. Do you know the sin will keep you longer than you want to stay? Jonah didn't want to be in that fish. He didn't want to be in that storm, but his rebellion got him there. And, and you know what? Sin has a price tag higher than you want to pay. And this is the reality of sin. And I pray that, that we can learn from that. Now, point number three is this, that God will not abandon us when we make mistakes. And I'm grateful that God doesn't abandon us when we, when we mess up. He doesn't, he doesn't walk away from us. And, and, and I look at what Jonah finally did get right. You see that, that Jonah avoided the temptation finally to keep running away. He avoided that temptation. Look at verse 3 and 4. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and floods surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. And then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet again I will look on your holy temple. It's interesting that when we're in rebellion, we don't want to go back to the Lord. Have you, have you noticed that? A time that you've messed up, you're like, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to go back to the Lord. But, but that's exactly where we need to go. And so my, my prayer for you is that the next time you find yourself failing and making a mistake, come back to God. Come back to his people. That's exactly what Jonah learned here. He avoided that temptation. He finally said, okay, Lord, I'm coming back to you. And, and you see how he says, I'm driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look on your holy temple. But I love what God does here. God responded to his authentic repentance. And you see Jonah getting to the bottom, and he's like, all right, I have no place else to look but the Lord. Now, that's true every time in our lives, every day 
of our lives. We have no one else to look to but the Lord. But Jonah got to the point where he finally admitted that. Look what he says in verse 5. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. When I went to the, down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever, yet you brought up my life from the pit. Oh, Lord, my God, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you and to your holy temple. You know that when you get to the point where you say, God, I need your help, that your prayers enter into the holy temple of God. He hears you. And I love it how God responded to his authentic repentance. And then you see, look at this, that God restored him even though he made a fatal mistake. And you see in verse, uh, let's go back to verse 8 and 9. And I want to see this. I think this is such a cool verse. It says, um, I remembered the Lord. and My prayer came to you in your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. Those of us who follow things that aren't, that, that don't have ears, we follow money, right? We follow safety, security. We follow comfort. We follow other idols in our life. And it says, those who, follow, who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And, and he's like, God, I'm going to do what you say. He gets to the point where he says, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm obedient now. And then what happens? God restored him, even though he made a fatal mistake. I mean, Jonah made a fatal mistake. A mistake where he says, throw me into the sea, I'm going to drown. It's a fatal mistake. Then, then he's in the belly of the fish thinking it's got to be over now, but it's not over. God restored him, even though he made a fatal mistake. And then what happened? Look at this. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited him, vomited him up on dry ground. I want you to know that really stinks, okay? Really probably did. But God restored him. Are you, are you needing this message today? Can, can I tell you? All of us need this message today. I need this message today. Because guess what? This guy's the preacher. And he's rebelling. I don't want to be a rebellious preacher. I don't want to be a rebellious believer. Can I tell you that God's calling you here today to remind you he's given you a second chance? You would not be here today if this message wasn't for you. But you are. Will you turn to him? We're going to have an invitation. And as we do, 
Our altars are going to be open. And maybe you need to come and, and just say, Lord, I've been rebelling against your voice. I've been rejecting your call. No more. Don't. Stop. Stop. Come to him. Maybe you need to come and give your life to Christ for the first time. That's why we're here. Would you listen to his voice and stop pushing him away? I pray that we all are like that. Lord, we are quick to to receive your word, not reject it.